Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 250 this year, closer to 300 premium podcasts. You get beyond this weekly show. You get some. Uh, you get the film notes show on first thing on Monday morning. Uh, you also get things throughout the week. Uh, I'm talking about trading, talking about um, AWARP, which is wins over replacement player, um, some second-level impact data that I collect every single week as well as um, in-depth priority uh, lists for the waiver wire. Um, and uh, anybody that percolates up, you get profiles on them. Uh, so you have a good idea of who you're betting on, who you're trading away or trading for. And Katie, we've got so many things this week. And I'll tell you, you pretty much have to start at the top because the top of a lot of people's dynasty running back board took a hit to uh, to different degrees. We've got Sequan Barkley out for the season now, and we've got Christian McCaffrey out for a little bit. Um, so it's not going to be the entire oh, four to six year. Six weeks is a lot of four. To, uh, yeah, it's, it's more half, half the time left. It could be right. It could be half of your fantasy season. Exactly. So we've got two new primary backups, you know, thrust into it. We'll see about Devonta Freeman, who could be signing with the Giants by the time you listen to this, or maybe not. Uh, but you've got two new uh, situations out, but you've also got now the interesting in-season trading market, which is always, you've got a Sequan Barkley, lesser to lesser degree, you've got a Christian McCaffrey, and now you have this giant trading pool of someone that maybe started out 0-2. You know, maybe this was going to be a building or non-contending year, and it started out in that direction to confirm that you may have another team with those types of players that uh, is a strong contender or was a strong contender and now they're looking around saying I don't know what I'm going to do I just lost my cornerstone guy and they're looking to trade you know current non-production or the rest of the season non-production for someone who can help now um, so now we have the, the, the in-season trading mark that really isn't apparent in February or June that now we have trading production for non-production and now the varying degrees of well do you want to wait for a player that you view as superior what is that worth um, so what what's some of your thoughts have you seen questions and and uh, other situations out there in your leagues regarding either of those two players yeah I I have a lot of Saquon Barkley. I've got, I think, one or two shares of Christian McCaffrey, uh, but thankfully, I'm I'm deep all across my running back roster. So as far as that impact, that should be minimal and doable without having to trade the farm for something else. I did get a low ball offer on uh, Saquon Barkley share. Um, I think it was AJ Brown and Jay Sternberger for. Barkley and it's like uh no that <laughs> I'm I'm not desperate thanks very much 
but uh, I think this is a good opportunity if you've got James Robinson, if you've got him, he's a starting running back, and uh, you could potentially get that first-round pick of that desperate team that just lost either one of these guys, and he had a good enough showing fantasy-wise last week, and he's definitely clearly the 101 in Jacksonville. Um, either either trade him for a future first, for next year's first, or try to take him plus something else to get one of these hurt assets. Um, that's probably less likely, but uh, what? who are you going to offend or hurt if, if you try? Yeah, um, I would say the thing is if you've been listening to UTH um, that Mike Davis has been a big one um, yep. to, to say that if he is on your waiver wire, then, you know, the, the UTH should have him in the league because a, a while back once, uh, especially once, once Reggie Bonifant, you know, it started there. I remember back, we were kind of surprised that he got the ax and then, you know, it was all Mike Davis. And he, even this past week, he looked pretty good um, in that secondary time. But especially after week one, once we had that clarity. Um, so so I really, you know, the shares I've lost of, say, Barkley or McCaffrey for now, I have way more of the shares of Deion Lewis and especially Mike Davis. You know, so it's actually a net win of what do you have at your disposal. Not that Davis is going to provide. He does have a good football guys projection this week. I will say that in the early numbers here on right. Tuesday as we record. Um, so he is someone that absolutely is going to be a flex plus, you know, a running back two type, uh, depending on the level of your team for lineups that should really help. I mean, there's not a lot of competition for tar- for, uh, for for touches or snaps, and he's going to be one that this offense isn't that great, so they're going to need to score points and, and keep their foot on the pedal, and, and hopefully he's optimized PPR-wise, even to a fraction of what Christian McCaffrey was um, within that offense. Um, but I think it's interesting. Go ahead. I was going to say that Mike Davis is the kind of guy that if you've got him on your roster – that's good for you because now he's plug and play for four to six weeks. He's probably not the kind of guy that you're going to get much. He's probably worth a lot more to your roster than he is trading him for peanuts to somebody else because I don't think you're going to get much because everybody knows Christian McCaffrey will be back. On the other hand, I think you can sell Dion Lewis if you've got him. I still don't know what the market is, and I'll ask you in just a second, have you seen any trades? I would try for a second uh, at the very least or try to go from a second to a first upgrade if you think that you can and do so quickly before the news that Freeman deal is uh, solidified. But even, even still, they've got such a horrible, horrible offensive line and a horrible team right. that I don't think that I even want any part of the Giants. Even Evan Ingram has been having a tough time, and he had. He's a been good chipping game this and blocking game. a little bit, and it's like it's yeah. quizzical the fact that he's easily their best mismatch now without Barkley, and it feels like they're squandering it to a large degree. I just don't like that team. Right. Period. So yeah, I'm I mean, out. And, and, and 
And we got Wayne Gallman there, who again has had yep. moments. Yep. So to and if they bring in Devonta Freeman, those are all the th- the reasons why I I'm putting in price enforcing bids, but I'm not going over the moon if I. I mean, I had some situations like, for example, I think there was one where it's like Deion Lewis. And, and part of the reason I was, he was on that lower band, like the absolute lowest rung of here's the guys who would benefit from injury, but it's because of maybe a little bit of ambiguity of how he'll be used. And then, and then is the upside of the situation that great? We saw Saquon Barkley for one point X games, not, you know, not do that well outside of basically he opened it up for two big runs, Barkley like highlights. And yeah. other than that, held firmly in check and that's the nature of the offensive line and the team so is Deion Lewis going to have those big bump moments so if you take those out what are we left with so that's that's why I left him out there and I don't feel overly bad about you know giving someone a quote-unquote starting running back um, and because la- going into last week I, I chose to take chances on you know where applicable like on a Mo Ali Cox where he was going to have a big opportunity or Jordan Reed and just saying let's see what's here instead of uh, you know, instead of taking having Deion Lewis in the chance that that one week is the week that Barkley goes out. Now it occurred, so but again, those other chance or Dalton Schultz, you know, taking chances on guys like that of saying we know they have the opportunity now. Let's see how this turns out. So Deion Lewis, I, I really have questions about. You know, is he going to be anything more than a flex play, and that is if he's the unequivocal starter. Um, but but again, if if Freeman comes in, it's it's completely homogenous, and it still might be with with say Wayne Gallman or just the fact that it's not a highly productive situation for anybody right now. Those would be my biggest my biggest uh, limitations on why I would go half in, but not all the way in with uh, with with bidding if he is out there. Um, our friend, our mutual friend Joey, uh, made a trade for Sequan Barkley um, just earlier today. Sold Nick Chubb for Sequan Barkley and a second. Um, I think he's not contending in that league from what I deduced. Um, but how far down, you know, if you are looking to make a shift, either buying Barkley or selling Barkley, if you know your team direction so impacts you, you know, how far down the pecking order at running back are you willing to slide just because of the rest of the year versus, you know, obviously punting any production coming from Barkley till next year? I'm not a believer in trading an injured player. He's got a spot on IR, and I'm in every league that I've got, I'm deep enough. I'm not going to worry about it, and I'm not going to trade a stud just because he's hurt. I wouldn't recommend doing that. I think you lose too much value. So I can't say what would I, what, how far would I go, uh, you know. Because you don't really move them that much is what you're saying. Right, exactly. If he was your running There's, back one or two or three or whatever, it's it's he's basically would be right there still. Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. And you know, I saw one earlier on Twitter today, and I for the life of me, I can't remember. Um, but it was it was it was it wasn't Joe Mixon for Saquon straight up, but it was something like that. Like Miles Not Sanders getting, plus or something. Not even getting a plus. There was no oh, okay. plus. It was a straight trade. Okay. Just somebody traded straight, and I'm like, that is just. Would you inky. trade him for Josh Jacobs if you had Jacobs a little lower in the rankings? I would want something on top. Okay. I wouldn't trade him straight up for anybody. Okay. Is what I'm saying. But as far as buying him, I would try all those things that we're saying. Uh, you know, if I've got Joe Mixon, I would try to trade Joe Mixon plus to get Barkley or, you know, 
just any number of firsts, uh, especially if I'm a contender, uh, package like two firsts plus something smaller. Uh, maybe I don't even know. I think James, Tim James, had mentioned Rob- in, James Robinson. In, yeah, I think that. <laughs> yeah. Plus. No. I gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and talk about another situation. We got the 49ers backfield where the injuries uh, keep yeah. a coming. Uh, that that Super Bowl hangover curse thing. Um, that uh, so we could be we could be down to Jerick McKinnon, Katie. This could be a thing. Jerick yeah. McKinnon could be a thing. We're down He's to back. Jeff Wilson and Tevin Coleman. Let's face it. I mean, he was a uh, a, a contributor or starter in uh, in name name item only. So him him being out for a stretch, I think Mostert. You know, will he miss a little bit of time? Uh, could be a week to week sort of thing. So, um, but Jerick McKinnon is another one that. He has an inordinate number of yards for the lack of touches he's had so far, and he's been out for two years. I think he looks actually like he's he's had enough of a recovery period that his burst is back. You know that burst of pre-injury that got him the contract with the 49ers long ago. Um, I, I just wonder. He's got great hands. I mean, he, yeah, he's he's an all-purpose back. Now, so the upside there is pronounced. So he's one that again, I think in some capacity. If this is the perfect storm, you need to add, you need to even if you add to McKinnon, you need to get a first from it. Otherwise, you just hold and you know you do start him this week and then you see what about the next week because the 49ers we've seen before. It doesn't matter if you get down. I mean, once there's clarity outside of having three or four guys in some big rotation thing, if you're down to like two guys in the rotation, all of a sudden, you know, you can start playing guys and having confidence. And it looked like we had, you know, through two games, we had Raheem Mostert confidence this year, but uh, but we lack that for for stretches last year because it was more of a rotational thing. But now with injuries filtering things, um, that's when you can really benefit from lineup decisions or you know having any more faith. Than say a flex flex play, and uh, Jeff Wilson is a is a good preemptive pickup this week because again he's just the next man up and he's out there in a lot of leagues. Right, and I hate to say it, but losing Garoppolo for however long that they're going to lose him isn't a big loss. No, it's a, it might be an upgrade. It might be an upgrade, exactly. So, uh, and the thing I say, you know, people are like, "Oh, Nick Mullins, he's not gonna, you know, what if he doesn't get to start much? Garoppolo, it's not overly serious." I was like, "But he's already wearing a brace. He got hurt with the brace, and now if he goes back there, I mean, he's compromised, and you got to f- figure more suspect than ever to, you know, the next hit, the next roll up, the next um, awkward landing when he's trying to move around. He's not an overly mobile guy anyway. Um, that just puts him more and more on the hot list as well." Um, I wanted to ask you, so you mentioned James Robinson in passing. So he had a much better week two. He's looked good. Um, we haven't really had the, the guys return, right? Well, Armstead, um, Tavino Zigbo, Chris Thompson's been a non-factor. Um, through two weeks, how do you sit with James Robinson there in Jacksonville, who's been the, the, the team and the offense have been sneaky better than a lot of the expectations? Yeah, like I told you preseason, uh, he was the guy, he was the reason why they were able to let go of Leonard Fournette. And I do believe that they are going to focus on him as long as he's healthy. He is the starting running back. And I would not take peanuts for him. I w- if I am going to trade him to a league mate, I want to get something substantial like a first. Right now, I think you could do that, especially with some of the owner's starting to see, uh, you know, 
right. guys fade off their roster quickly. And especially if they have Michael Thomas and Saquon Barkley, sure. then they will. Yeah, I mean, that's a very strong possibility. They're a strong team or they've got Christian McCaffrey and Michael Thomas. I've got one league where I've got Christian McCaffrey and Michael Thomas, and I'm thankfully solid enough where I don't have to be desperate. But there will be, there are a lot of people out there who are contenders who are paper thin, and they're paper giants. So everything has to break right for them. And imagine getting there first, and the rest of their team does start to go downhill. That could easily turn into a very, very beautiful 2021 first yet they're going to keep gluing and patching their ship together as long as they can as desperately as they can and then that's the kind of owner that will leave the league yeah unfortunately you know that's right that, that is the that's the equation right but is they, push them where they want to go they want to get <laughs> <wanna> somebody <laughs> no they no. want to get another player they need to get right. another player they're the kind of people that buy running backs in the off season, thinking i have to have my starting lineup in june well then well and then they just keep trying to buy things in season because yeah. you know they always think that they're just this one fix this one band-aid away and yet here the scary thing is if you've got some injury situations and we still have I think a, a couple weeks before this but you've got some injuries guess what when bye weeks get here because bye yeah. weeks are going to stretch I think they start is it week 5 uh, sometimes it's week four in some seasons, right. but I think, I think we're at week five. five. I think it's five, and then there's a rogue like two teams in week thirteen. The point is, yes, the Tampa Bay and the Carolina Panthers. When you get to five, you're basically buys the rest of the season. The rest of the regular season, you have bye weeks, and so you're gonna have these onesies, twosies, and if you cascade injuries on top of that. This is going to be, I mean, a stretch where, again, knock on wood, thank goodness we have not had, uh, you know, COVID testing positive right, on Wednesday right. and now you know, or a Friday and now you're without them. So, and, you know, things are p- tremendously optimistic and positive from that vantage point. So we do have that working for us through two weeks. Now we'll see. But we've got injuries, notable ones, and now we're going to stack pretty soon bye weeks on top of that. And so you have a team that, you know, if you feel kind of good about your lineup, but you look at what I always like to do is look at your bench. You set your lineup, but you know, you have those two views where you have your, your yeah. lineup that you submit at the top and then you have everybody else. And when you look at a live scoring thing or whatever, you see the same thing. All your bench players are at the bottom. And what I like to see is you look at your bench and you're like, yeah, you know, that's kind of a okay, passable, whatever, whatever starting lineup. Like, that's what I like to see. You shouldn't look down there and be like, oh my God, no one plays. Like, you just have a bunch yeah. of, like, you have a bunch of single digits and zeros. And, and it's not because you made horrific lineup decisions, but it's just like you got nobody. Uh, you know, and that, so that's a scary uh, kind of feeling. And that might be an indicator that you might want to have some pause about pushing all in and thinking you're one player away if you have an injury or per, poor performance, et cetera, because, you know, then you're, you're, you're saying, well, what am I pulling from? I'm really teetering here and I keep trying to band-aid this. I traded my first. Okay. Now two weeks later. All right. Now, now let me buy another bridge guy for a second. You know, now let me trade the guy that got hurt. You know, Sequan Barkley style is out for the year. Let me trade him for, you know, another bridge guy that can help me. Uh, so if you just keep doing that, eventually you're left with a redrafty kind of looking team. You don't win it. Now you get to the off season and it looks a lot worse because you traded your first. You traded two players that got hurt, and you traded them away for players that are playing. Um, and all of a sudden now, you know, instead of 
just resetting and now you're looking good for 2021 or looking as good as you were the past year. Now you're sitting and saying, well, I, I lost in the first round of the playoffs and now, you know, I, I traded away the guys that would look a lot better for me in 2021. Right. That's the danger. That's the complete danger formula is that you just keep sliding down that hill. Um, I wanted to ask you, Katie. So through two weeks, is there a rookie, whether positive or negative, that has either surprised you by looking as good as they do? Maybe you didn't expect much from them at all as prospects, but we're seeing a number of rookies um, outside of you know tight ends in general seeing seeing extensive playing time, meaningful snaps, enough touches to get a sense of their you know, level of comparison of movement and skills towards NFL defenses. But is there a running back, a wide receiver, maybe a quarterback that you you've already seen enough to say, you know, they, they look like they're above what I was expecting below what I'm expecting a little skeptical. And I want to see more that type of, I want to see more of Chase Claypool. I liked him at the senior bowl, but he was always that kind of, you know, player where you just were not sure how well he would or how quickly he would adapt to the NFL. And his price point was good. He was always mid to late second. So, um, but there always seemed, it's so deep this year that there always seemed to be, I don't have a ton of Chase Claypool, but I do have some, and I'm glad that I do. And I want to see more. I'm looking forward every week to seeing more and what he can do. Uh, the good news is the Steelers have drafted wide receivers well. The bad news is they've drafted wide receivers well, and now there's going to be quote unquote winners and losers. And it's mm-hmm. oppor- it, to me, it's more opportunity wise than it is like you know this guy's horrific and he stinks, and that's why he's not playing a ton or producing a ton. And I I feel that way about James Washington. Like I feel yeah. like he's going to be he's guaranteed to be wide receiver three or four in that rotation, and it doesn't mean he can't play. It, it just means right. that he's probably going to to some degree plummet in in startups i'm already picturing it now in january you know and you're going to get them you know outside the top 175 or something you know it's just going to be like wait he uh he flashed a little bit in you know 2019 and it's just not a great situation maybe he needs a change of change of scenery who knows maybe there's an injury or two uh for stretches later this season that that clarify that um that depth chart but and, and Chase Claypool, I, I mean, I think they're doing it smartly where they're starting him out and basically throwing him some some one-on-one balls, you know, and he's not playing a ton of snaps, but let's put him into a role within that offense. And one thing that I kind of miss, I'll, I'll say maybe misprojected in t- sort of what I thought was going to happen is I thought uh, Eric Ebron was going to be a little more viable in terms of a red zone threat, in terms of, well, he may only catch 40, 50, 60 balls, but he could he could certainly catch eight-plus touchdowns. And I just, I think, I, you know, through two games, I'm starting to question if he's going to have enough of a role to be anything more than like a mid-to-low tight end two type, that if you throw him in, you're kind of hoping for two or three catches on a touchdown. I just, with their depth at wide receiver, the fact that, you know, if James Conner's in there, then there's going to be enough, you know, receiving work from that position as well. I don't think that we're going to see tight end as such a meaningful part, even with Big Ben back, that he's going to matter as much as maybe I thought the upside was. Yeah. 
Um, okay. Uh, what do you think about some of the big big running backs between DeAndre Swift? He's seen time in two straight weeks. Jonathan Taylor had a, 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 a unencumbered start this past weekend. Um, any of the the big five guys? I know Cam Akers. You know, bare, he was going to be the clear cut starter by how they yeah. started that game, and then he got hurt. We'll see. It's kind of week to week. Maybe he plays this week. It would sound like if he doesn't. Week four is pretty darn likely for him, but we'll see because Daryl Henderson came in and, and looked the best he's looked in the NFL. But uh, any of those other big running backs that we've, we're starting to see some sample size? Just everything that I thought that Jonathan Taylor was, he is, and will be. I'm not worried at all about him with the slow start from last week or with Naheem Hines or anybody else. Slow start? <laughs> you mean week yeah. one? Week one slow start? Well, it was. And if Marlon Mack hadn't gotten injured, how much would he have played? That's we true. We don't know that. We yeah. don't know that. And Naheem Hines was getting fed that ball like, you right. know. But then yesterday, like last crazy. week he's a shadow, which is which which was a good thing to see where Naheem Hines barely played. Right. And I had no doubt that Jonathan Taylor would win that job outright at some point. It's nice to see. Not nice that there was an injury that quickly that made it right. facilitated, but I'm just saying, uh, you know. But how great it, is it you get to week two of a, of a guy's rookie season and you look and, you know, projections pretty much. I know football guys had him at running back nine or 10 or something. I mean, how nice is it you get to that point and you go, well, it could be a committee, could be a Nick Chubb situation. Maybe you start, you know, using him as your, your flex, you know, some point mid season, and maybe that progresses to being a weekly starter. But the fact that you, I mean, it, it's almost like a, cause we draft sort of big picture and macro and the players and the talents and, and things like that. So when they're lineup usable or lineup centric early, that's sort of just an added bonus. That's that's the uh, the icing or the cherry on top, and and the fact the fact that you know now you have an auto start player from week two onward, you know pending health. I mean that is just a huge boost. And he was actually what I find funny is the victory laps of Clyde edwards hilaire from the preseason week one. Obviously he had a he had a high usage game. But uh, but Jonathan Taylor now goes into week you know goes to week two and they were pretty much you know right you know near each other in projections and uh, you know I think we're going to see it close to that you know for for most weeks now in in this year. Yeah, uh, victory laps drive me crazy. I, I, you know, I, yeah. but anyway. Uh, well, we've said it before. I mean, like I think one thing you always kind of raise an eye when I'm like, yeah, you know, I I, I put my trades in and I, I value I I score them you know based on how they look. But you always have to rescore them, and it's like, well, at some point you have to stop because dynasty trades have a way of, you know, it's like the uh, yin and yang sign, right? I mean, they have a way of swerving left to right. Uh, well, it's like, oh, well, the first two weeks, boy, this one, this side looked a lot better, and then six months later, this one side looked a lot better, and then two years, this side looked a lot. You know, it's just like it yeah. takes it takes on a life of its own, at, like an amoeba. It just keeps moving around uh, in terms of what side looks better when, and it's like, well, what was your mindset when you made the trade? You know, like, were you trying to score points this year? Were you trying to get somebody or an asset that was going to be better a year from now? I mean, that could shade how the trade looks for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you, have you seen much of Josh Kelly, um, who got a lot of usage this past week? And it's a firm, like, 50-50 uh, in terms of snaps uh, usage there with the with Austin Eckler with the Chargers. I watch uh, NFL Red Zone to watch my games, uh-huh. and I don't go back and scour the film like you do. I okay. do listen to your film notes, and from what I've seen, I really like. He's another one that I liked at the Senior Bowl. He had a decent run 
decent practice, good work ethic. Um, so it sounds like he's getting more and more of that of that role. They're having confidence in him. And Did you get to interview him? I didn't talk with him. I talked with Antonio Gibson, Devin Duvernay. Um, yeah, I thought I thought Kelly was a guy that I I don't recall seeing him during that session. Like it was, there were certain guys like th- that they just they oh, didn't seem to be around. Yeah, I think I he came he was walking out and somebody was wanting to talk to him and he said I really gotta go. I don't know where he was going, but he was there early in the session, but had to leave. Okay, how how I I still can't. I still have a hard time getting my my head around it. I mean, yes, I remember. You know, we 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 got to talk to and and see Cooper Cup. You know, the the years ago. But like the right. fact that the fact that Antonio Gibson, when not a lot of people back then were kind of even viewing him as a running back in the NFL, and the fact that you know talk to him a little bit, and all of a sudden it's like here he is, the starting running back on an NFL team. Yeah, I it's mean, it's pretty wild said- to get your head around. In our interview when we were talking to him, he even said, I don't care where I play. I'll play tight end. I'll play running back. I'll play wide receiver. Uh, Yeah, I think the only exclusion was quarterback. Uh Do you see see he has like the highest broken tackle rate in the NFL? mm Mm-mm. Of of all guys that have seen at least like it was like twenty touches or whatever like that. Yeah. I mean he's the highest. He's breaking tackles like and again I mean there is not a lot of big plays to be had, but he is making traditional you know shedding arm tackles, taking two or three defenders to bring them down type plays, and this is as a traditional running back. I I just I hope situationally he's not stunted in terms of the situation holding him back to a large degree where, you know, get him out in some screens. I thought they were going to see some, you know, just we, we talk about optimizing running back touches, and I just hope he is one that more than the first two weeks, he is one that gets optimized because he's a big playmaker for Washington and on a team that needs playmakers, frankly, outside of Terry McLaurin. So I hope that uh, that they expand, you know, what he is asked to do going forward because play-wise, skill set-wise, he can certainly produce a lot more than he has. Oh, yeah. I He's just scraping the surface. I can't wait. Is there any are, are there any players that that through setting lineups and kind of seeing the results through two weeks is there anybody that you're either warming to or fading from in terms of you know people have been asking me or my own lineups where it's like maybe they're they you consider them a running back two or a flex or a bench but now you're thinking something different like breaking ties we always have those you know one to two decisions weekly let's say where most of your rosters kind of set outside of maybe a horrific matchup or uh, injury, bye week, whatever. Uh, but then you've got that two, three, four players maybe that might be in. For me, it's, you know, Antonio Gibson is kind of near that line in a few of my leagues. Yeah. Or yeah. say DeAndre Swift, you know, are you are you generally breaking a tie and saying, you know, it's PPR, I'm going to put him in as my flex because he's, he's going to have that sort of role. Or, you know, is there any running back, receiver, et cetera, that you say, you know, I going into the year, I didn't think I was going to feel this way two weeks in, but now I do. I mean, besides the guys that you mentioned. Is Swift somebody that you're breaking ties for in lineups? Or are you still fading him and, and saying, I want to see a more clarified snap and, and usage? I'm fading him. It just really depends on what my other options are. But by and large, I've been fading him for the first couple of weeks. Uh, I think I've started him in just one or two spots. And that sounds like a lot, but I'm in 30 plus leagues and I own Swift in a lot. 
a lot. Um, <laughs> <Probably> so, <half. laughs> well, I don't know that it's quite that, but probably close. Well, you had them but, in Debbie, I, so I would imagine the yes, Debbie ones you probably have them too. So. Yeah, I, I exactly. Um, so it's not necessarily yet on him, but Antonio Gibson, I would. Uh, okay. If, if again, it just depends on the options. And now that I've got Saquon down and Christian McCaffrey down, I'm going to have to start moving somebody else up. It was like Leonard Fournette. I consider him down just because of his changing team. He hasn't been able to really be started yet. Well, he was going to be the next guy I asked you. I mean, do you think this is the next... Are we seeing a changing of the guard where Fournette's going to get more time and this might be a two to three week process, but he's going to be the 1A and he hasn't been through two weeks. Do you think that's on the verge of happening? I think so, and okay. I hope so, and I I think that would be in their best interest if they did. Yeah, Ronald Jones, to me, has shrunk a little bit, you know, and seeing, you know, when you see the touches kind of back-to-back or in the same game, the same prism of an offense, Fournette's providing a lot more, you know, workhorse, big play ability, but also, you know, adding something in the passing game, which he's caught a bunch of passes recently. They're using LaShawn McCoy in that capacity a little bit, so... But yeah, it feels like we're moving in that direction. Not sure it's week three specifically, but you know, by midseason, it certainly feels like Leonard Fournette could be that 20-touch-a-week player within an offense that it's going to be tough to, for them to load boxes. So pretty excited. I mean, he's still, again, yeah. we, we, I think we talked about it in the offseason, you know, when this move was made, that there, there certainly is, is, maybe it's not for the entire season, but once he gets the role that he could get, that, that there is you know, top five, top eight potential here in this offense for the lead back, whoever that is. Um, okay, uh, Katie, do you have any, uh, I, I still need to do the UTH uh, subscriber contest update uh, for the week. Do you have any um, final thoughts for the week coming out of week two or into week three? No, just it's, it's as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, this is going to be the craziest up and down season with so many ebbs and flows because we didn't have a preseason teams aren't even gelling yet to to what they would normally be at at this point and guys are going to drive you crazy start sit decisions will drive you crazy the injuries are piling up already that's going to drive you crazy don't let it drive you crazy it's just Mm -hmm. do the best that you can make sure that you're using good process don't jump to conclusions and you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater on some of these guys. Um, just take it one week at a time and try not to get too far ahead of yourself. I, I have one reminder for folks, uh, and this is just a uh, this is just a check the box thing because I just saw an email of someone that that this week put my uh, Marlon Mack on their IR. Um, that again, that's a wasted roster spot because they could have done that the week before. So. Make sure that the thing I do before I set waivers is when I go in there, I go right to the the IR page that, you know, the, the basically set your IR just to see if there's any open boxes, you know, that I can, I can move somebody down. Uh, you can glance at your roster if that's your process. But the thing I always say, don't get cheated on roster spots. You know, that's why we say fill your taxi squad. And then if you call guys up during the season, that's a good thing. It means they're producing. It means you can't deny them from being in your lineup. So then you cut somebody and yes, technically you are de-optimized because you now have one less on your taxi squad. So that's a good thing. 
but fill your taxi squad initially. Then in season, make sure you check when you're doing waivers every week. Maybe if there's someone you're hanging out on, if it's the software's problem for not having them on there, that's not on you. But just if it's later in the week, then do first come first serve to pick up that spot. But make sure you're filling your entire roster. And again, sometimes guys will be on there Monday, Tuesday. Sometimes it might be later in the week before they get the designation. But be on top of it is what I would say. Because uh, you can save yourself a spot. And and make sure you're combing through waivers. Because the biggest thing that, I, that slips through the cracks for me is players that were dropped the week before. I may have my own running list in my head of here's the three, four, five players in a given format. I'm likely to be interested in or if they're available I'm interested and I'll put in bids but that's why you still have to have a checkpoint whether it's a software I really like the my fantasy uh, sorry my football guys uh, it is a, a function through their through their uh, subscription that will highlight players and, and show you players with good projections this week or it basically is a, 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 a fail safe to make sure you don't forget a guy um, that may not commonly be available in your league so if you look at that, then you're going to have someone not slip through the cracks. But if someone was dropped the week before, I always like to have them, you know, put in a dummy bid, you know, for $0 or $1 right when you see the email, whether that's on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, just so on Tuesday or Wednesday, you don't forget. Um, That's my process. But whatever your process is, if you put them on your watch list um, or just you're going to go with a fine tooth comb through the free agents or locked players for your bidding cycle, all those things uh, are really important because that can be the difference between getting a pickup that matters versus missing out and then you see the waiver pickups and it's like oh man some you know my my uh my my arch rival got them for two bucks you know it's like i i didn't even put a bid i didn't even know they were available and this week uh sorry this season katie mentioned it with just the chaos theory you don't know how deep you're you're gonna need your roster in a month or two months when we really get to crunch time Again, you might be fortunate. The injuries might not be that pronounced. You might have not have poor play erode against you. Um, so you might have a real smooth ride, but that typically doesn't happen. You typically need you know, a bench. You typically need depth. You need key performances. And again, that comes from the waiver wire. So, uh, And again, folks right now that have Deion Lewis and have Mike Davis shares already, what, are, what is that? That's looking out and being proactive. So uh, just those are just current week two, week three reminders. Week five, week six, it's going to be different guys. Um, to finish out here, I wanted to uh, do a summary of the UTH best ball contest. Uh, fun. We got Jordan, uh, Jordan, Tim, Katie, and myself with entries. And I don't know if we've ever seen this, Katie, but Andy Rizzo, he got back-to-back number one finishes. Back-to-back weeks. So yeah. deductive reasoning, he's in first place. Now, he's actually not in first place by as much as I would have expected, considering he put up two number one overall finishes, but we're basically going over the same roster we did last time. So, Andy, uh, you were really hurting the the variety of this show, Uh, but he had the magical ride. He doesn't have super depth. I'm kind of looking through this. He's had perfect storms at at running back and wide receiver the past couple weeks, Um, but he did get a bounce back from Odell Beckham. He got Jonathan Taylor in there. He's got Josh Jacobs. James Robinson was almost a free square because he ended up being being uh, sort of the de facto week one starter um, declaration after I put out or hours after I put out the player list. You can't go back and change values. Um, But he has Leonard Fournette, who we talked about, could be rising. Um, Cam Newton and Russell Wilson put up 40 shots for him this week. 
Uh, he's a little light at tight end, but uh, he's got Dallas Goddard as well as Hayden Hurst. But Robert Tanyan with a touchdown was even a starter for him this week. So congratulations. And again, Andy, I don't know if anyone's ever finished number one in a week twice in a row, uh, but you're off to a fantastic start, my friend. And uh, maybe, just maybe, this could be the start of a historic run in the contest. We have to go through and see, uh, you know, potentially he could be one that kind of rolls this thing. Um, and overall, I, I would say the overall finishes for the season, Tim and Jordan are uh, a little bit back. Katie is up at the top of us, of us uh, four quote-unquote experts in the contest. Um, I'm in the top 20 or so. So we've got a varying level through two weeks, but we always say a long way to go and best ball depth is going to be key. We haven't even hit the bye weeks and obviously two big uh, figureheads in uh, McCaffrey and Barkley are going to be out for a chunk or the season at this point, which, which will tarnish the contest to some degree. But I don't think with how they are priced, we have high ownership with either one of them. Uh, but still, that is a stud that you spent a significant portion of your budget, uh, whether any sort of salary cap uh, related contest. But uh, congrats to Andy for week two, taking him down, and we will update the contest for week three as well. Reminder, if you want to support the show, no five-minute ad segments here, but patreon.com slash UTH. Get bonus exclusive content there. Tim Torch and I do a waiver show every Tuesday day there's a live vip session uh that you can be a part of at a certain membership tier where i get on we do a live call every wednesday night in season talk about strategy anything and everything to improve your dynasty teams as well as a host of other content available and that's patreon.com slash uth you can find katie between episodes on twitter uh what is it the uh, diva of devi the devi that's diva that's correct Diva, the Diva of Devi. Diva of Devi. You've got a nice new avatar, so you might be seeing different colors and a different scheme there through your timeline. Uh, but you can always find her at FF underscore Skylar399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. <laughs>